If you have your Bibles this morning, will you turn with me to Romans chapter 12? A few weeks ago, I began to walk through this passage because I I thought there were just several things in these exhortations of Paul in Romans chapter 12 that particularly apply to the unique circumstances that we find ourselves in at this moment. I don't think that what Paul had in mind in Romans 12, 9 through 21 is necessarily reserved for times of crisis or difficulty. I think what he's encouraging us to do in these verses is just to live out the Christian life at all times. But as I was reading over some of these exhortations, some of them just seem to have a particular applicability to this situation that we're in right now. Uh, In particular, last week, we looked at verse 12, where Paul said, be joyful in hope. Uh, We need hope right now. Uh, He said, be patient in affliction. Endure, persevere through times of difficulty and affliction. And be faithful in prayer. Certainly we need to be faithful in coming to the Lord for help during this time. And then this morning, we're going to focus our attention on verse number 13, which emphasizes the Christian traits, the characteristics of charity and hospitality. And Paul says in verse number 13, share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Let's bow before the Lord together. Father, we thank you that we have this time this morning where we can gather together in person around your word and where we can be together as the family of God. Uh, Father, I pray that you would bless uh, the members of our family, our congregation, who are not here with us but are watching uh, live this morning. I pray that you would bless them as well. And Father, we're thankful that we have this opportunity to read your word and to reflect and meditate on its truths. Father, I pray that your spirit would not only impress upon us the meaning of these words, but also how we might best put them into practice in our lives. And we pray this in the name of Christ. Amen. In verse 13, Paul says, share with the Lord's people who are in need. And in this, I think Paul is encouraging us as Christians to take care of one another, fellow believers in Christ. We are bound by love to a local fellowship of believers, and we are called to meet one another's needs. What is it that motivates us to live out this exhortation? What is the motivation? Well, we have the answer to that in the broader context of Romans, don't we? Because Romans 1 through 11 is the gospel. It is the gospel of God, the gospel that God who was, even though rightfully angry with us because of our sin, even though in his justice we deserved wrath, we deserved death, yet in God's mercy and grace, he gave us Christ. And in Christ, he has revealed a righteousness from faith to faith. In Christ, he has given us the gospel 
which is the power of God unto salvation to all who believe. In Romans chapter 3, Paul says that God set forth Christ, set up Christ as a propitiation, as an atoning sacrifice for our sins, so that, Paul says, God might be just, fulfill his justice and his holiness, but also that he might be the justifier of those who believe in Jesus, meaning he can satisfy his righteous characteristics of holiness and justice, but also satisfy his characteristics of mercy and grace and love, all in Christ. What is it that motivated God to send Christ to be our redeemer and to, to, for these gospel truths to be realized? It's love. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. In Romans 5.8, Paul says, here is God's love on display. Here is God's love demonstrated in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And so God's love motivated Christ to come and to be our redeemer. It was God's love was the motivation for the gospel. And so now we are called by God's grace into a family of believers. And so the motive that we have to share love for one another is the love that we have received from God. We love him and we love others because he first loved us. And so we are bound by love. That is our motivation, and God is our great example in that. What is the power? What is the power that we have to live this out? It, too, is the gospel, isn't it? The power that we have to live this out is the gospel, because in the gospel, we have not only Christ's sacrifice for us on the cross that judicially, positionally transferred us from the state of wrath to the state of grace. But in the gospel, we also have the abiding, indwelling gift of the Holy Spirit, don't we? In that Jesus, at a point in time in history, died for our sins, paid for our sins, and redeemed us. But later on in our lives, experientially, the Spirit of God called us. He came into our lives, awakened us from spiritual death, gave us new birth and called us to Christ and then began to indwell us from that point on forevermore. And that indwelling Holy Spirit is the one who is producing the fruit of the Spirit within us. Number one on the list is love. So what is the motivation for us to love one another? It's God in the gospel. What is the power that we have to love one another in a way that the world does not love? The power is the spirit in the gospel. So we have a motivation from God. We have a power from God. We have a, a duty from God. We are called by command to love one another, aren't we? Jesus says, here is a commandment that I give you that you love one another. So we have a motivation, we have a power, we have a command, a duty to love one another. And 
we have a family, don't we? We have a family. And as a family, love is a natural component of a family relationship, of that family dynamic. We have instinctively a natural love, a brotherly love, a a parental child love within families. By the grace of God, by new birth, by adoption, we're a part of a family and a part of what God is doing in us and transforming us by grace and making us a part of the body of Christ is he is making within us kind of a a natural uh, outgrowth of the spirit's presence, which is to love one another to love brothers and sisters in Christ. And what is the expression of that love? Well, there are many expressions of that love, but one that Paul is pointing our attention to here is in particular making sure that the needs of our family are taken care of. Make sure that the needs of our family are taken care of. He says share with the Lord's people who are in need. Now, the first and obvious application of that is financial, right? Financial. We see in the early church, modeled in Acts chapter 2, 3, and 4 and following, uh, we have modeled in the early church that people would donate money, People would donate property. We have the example of Barnabas who sold property and donated the money all for the purpose of the the proceeds being distributed to the church in Jerusalem. Those who needed uh, financial care, well-being. One of the reasons for that that commentators and and scholars have suggested is that uh, that really the birth of the church was on the day of Pentecost, in which you had all of these people uh, from all, all over the Roman Empire who had come back to Jerusalem for that holiday, for that day of Pentecost. And then you have Peter standing up in Acts chapter 2 on that day of Pentecost and preaching that sermon in which thousands of people responded and believed in the gospel. And, and some have suggested that, that many of those stayed around for a while in Jerusalem to, to be a part of this new fledgling body of believers and to learn to hear from the apostles and to fellowship together and, and to learn more of Christ in whom they have just believed. Well, they're far from home. They're going to need a place to stay. They're going to need resources. They're going to need support. And so some suggest that was one of the reasons why so many in the early church in those early days gave so much and, and sacrificed so much to provide for the needs of those Christians at that time. But even beyond that, we have the example in the book of Acts, Paul talks about it in the book of Philippians, of Christians taking up collections uh, to send to needy Christians in other cities. Uh, There was a particularly difficult time in Jerusalem at one point in which the Christians were suffering in poverty and in need. And in Paul's missionary travels, he's going around and taking up a collection. Uh, for the necessity of the saints in Jerusalem. So we have modeled throughout the New Testament the church meeting the physical financial needs of brothers and sisters in Christ. And we're called to do that. Uh, We can do that 
as a as an official body, you know, the church can meet someone's need that we that we know of, maybe through the the church funds or benevolence fund that we have as a church. But we can also do that individually, can't we? If we know of a need of someone, another believer in Christ, another member of our family, we can just meet that need. We can we can just give that person what they need at that moment. So one obvious application is financial, but I was thinking about this time in which we're living, and one of the the needs that we have right now is social and mental, isn't it? Social and mental, we we've missed one another, and and not just one another as the body of Christ. We certainly have a, we've missed people in general, haven't we? Over the last several weeks, and it's it, it's not it's not just a coincidence that during the last couple of months, the rise of uh, the, the number of suicides that have risen, it's not a coincidence, it's directly correlated, isn't it? To the lack of social interaction, to being isolated, to, to this feeling of aloneness. It is important for us to, even socially distanced, to try to encourage one another and to remind one another that we're still here and we're praying for you and just have a conversation with somebody on the phone, even a chat back and forth on Facebook or text message, but just let people know that we're still here. People have needs beyond the physical and the financial, don't they? They have spiritual needs. They have mental needs. They have social needs. And so as we think about that, think about different aspects of that in which we can try to meet some of those needs for one another. And for each person, it's going to be different, isn't it? Each person has a different need. Some people, just in their general makeup, in their personality, they crave more social interaction than others, right? Some of us are extroverts. Some of us are introverts. Some of us introverts, you know, this is like our heyday, right? You know, no social interaction, you know, isolated in my house. This is like holiday, you know, introverts. But extroverts, they're, they're dying on the vine, right? They need social interaction. So different people are going to respond differently to the different circumstances and situations that we find ourselves in right now. So we have to try to know one another, try to learn more about one another, so that we can meet their need, not what, not what our need is, but what their need is and, and what they need from us at that moment. We're part of a family. And I think whenever we start talking about meeting needs, I think we have a, a higher responsibility, a, a higher obligation the closer you get in proximity. In other words, Yes, we should be concerned about someone in China or in California, but the the person right next to us is the person that, that has our attention at that moment, that we should seek to meet that need. And so uh, the, I think the, the greater the proximity, the closer that person is to us, certainly within the local church, the family of God, the more we should be aware of that need and, and seek to meet that need. And so we're bound by love. That's how we're motivated. We're empowered by the Spirit. We're a part of a family in which we are naturally called to love one another. 
And we are, we are called to meet all kinds of needs, not just physical and financial. And then Paul says in the second part of verse 13, he says, practice hospitality. Practice hospitality. And that can have many applications, but I think one application that I would like to draw from it is that we as Christians are bound by love, not only to the local church, but we are also bound by love to the global church of God and are called to support traveling brothers and sisters in Christ. Hospitality in the ancient world was a virtue. It didn't matter if you were a Christian or not. In the ancient world, in the Roman Empire, in the ancient Near East, you can see it in the Old Testament exemplified many times that hospitality was a virtue. It, it was just a part of their social climate that uh, if, if a stranger entered into town, you would make sure that stranger had a place to live or a place to stay, a place to get food. And you would take them to your own home if need be to make sure that that stranger had a place uh, to get fed and a place to rest. But in the New Testament, we see an emphasis among Christians in the church on this need to practice hospitality. Uh, we see it in many of the virtue lists of the New Testament, it's mentioned. In many of the epistles of Paul, we read from it earlier in 1 Peter chapter 4, to practice hospitality. It is a Christian virtue. So it even goes beyond just a, a social public virtue to a particularly Christian virtue to practice hospitality for one another. And, and one of the ways that this was done in the early church in particular was to make sure that brothers and sisters from Christ, from other congregations who were traveling from place to place, that they were taken care of. And a lot of times this was a traveling speaker or missionary, a preacher who was going from place to place. And they were to be uh, taken in and supported by other believers in Christ. Uh, make sure that they had a place to stay, they had food to eat, they had enough to, to be sent on their way to the next place. Uh, we see this mentioned in 3 John. That in 3 John, uh, the criteria for welcoming those that are traveling from other places that are preaching the gospel is, are they preaching the true gospel? Are they preaching the true Christ, the, the God-man who has sent down from God and who came to us to live among us as a human being, the full, fully God, fully man? John says, if someone comes to you believing in Christ, who he is in his fullness and preaching him in his fullness, then welcome that person. Welcome that person, take them in, give them a place to stay, give them food to eat. But if someone is coming from outside of orthodoxy, if you will, outside of what it is to be a Christian, not believing in Christ as the God-man, he says, do not even eat with that person. Don't welcome that person. Why? Because in welcoming that person by inviting that person into your home and giving that person a meal, you're encouraging and, and supporting false teaching to continue its spread from place to place. And John says, don't do that. But if there's a genuine believer in Christ, a genuine uh, missionary who believes the true gospel, welcome that person, provide for that person, care for that person and send them on their way. Uh, we see in the gospels that this was the model by which Jesus sent out his disciples two by two. 
Jesus sent out his disciples two by two into all the towns of Galilee and Judea. And wherever they went, they weren't supposed to provide for themselves. They were supposed to depend upon those that heard their message and believed. And they would be invited into their homes and they would be provided for. Well, how do we practice that today in the 21st century? Hospitality has been taken over by an industry, hasn't it? So now we have hotels and inns, and, and they've kind of taken over that role. That's why they're called the hospitality industry, right? But we still have a role to play because we can support brothers and sisters in Christ around the world, remind ourselves that we are part of a global church, that, yes, we're part of a local assembly, and we need to make sure our brothers' and sisters' needs are met here, but we're also part of a global family, aren't we, in which we are partnered together in the gospel, and we need to make sure that their needs are met as well. And that's why I prayed the way that I did at the very beginning of the service, for the Lord to bless our missionaries in their different contexts where they are. Because every government is handling this global pandemic differently. For that matter, every state in the United States is handling this pandemic differently, aren't they? So in some places, you have really strict lockdowns. And they're more socially isolated than we are. One, because of that increased lockdown, but also because they're in a foreign land. And so they could be feeling even more particularly ostracized and isolated and alone. But we have uh, those that are in places that are not very technologically or medically developed. They don't have hospitals like we have. They don't have ICU uh, units like we have, they, they're in more vulnerable situations for the spread of this pandemic. And so as we think about uh, our responsibility to the church, think about it not just here in Winfield, but also think about it globally. And if you know a missionary personally, or you have contact information for a missionary, send them an email send them a message and say, hey, how are you doing right now through all of this? Is there, is there anything that, that I personally or maybe we as a church can do that would be particularly helpful to you in your setting, in your circumstances right now? I think that would be a modern 21st century application of practicing hospitality, of making sure that God's people's needs are met, not only here but also around the world. And so Paul's message in verse number 13 is really simple. And that is because we have been loved by God, Christians are called to love one another, both at home and around the world. Because we've been loved by God, Christians are called to love one another, both at home and around the world. And that means that we have to think outside of ourselves. Right. We have to think outside of ourselves. And that's a part of the Spirit's work of grace in us, is to, to cause our eyes to move outward, 
instead of just thinking about what our needs are at this particular moment, to think about what others' needs are around us. And even those that we don't see often, other believers in other places that may have needs. And though they are the ones that can be easily forgotten because they're far away. And we don't think about them, especially when we're going through a difficult time ourselves. And so we have to become more outwardly focused to those around us in the body of Christ, even to our community, and to other believers around the world as well. And so let me encourage you with this. Think deeply today on the love of God for you. Think deeply on the love of God for you. Let let that truth, let the gospel of grace of God for you, let that fill up your thinking, fill up your heart every day. Because I, I truly believe that as that fills up your thinking and your thoughts every day, that that cannot help but be translated into love for others. Just remind yourself and meditate every day on how much you have been loved by God. And let that then transform itself into love for others. And may your eyes be open and your hearts be open to see the needs of those around you and meet those needs, whether it be something tangible, physical, financial, or maybe it's just something that you can't really touch. It's just an encouraging word, you know, calling or texting someone, let them, letting them know that you are thinking about them, that you're still there. But have your eyes open to those around you. We've been loved by God, so let us love one another. Let's bow in prayer together. Our Father, we thank you that you have indeed loved us, a love that we can hardly comprehend, that as rebels and sinners defying you, living in rebellion against our Creator, that you chose, you chose, not because of anything that we had to offer, not because of how good we were, not because of any merits in us, you chose to love us. Out of your own will, your own good pleasure, you loved us and you showed us mercy even though we didn't deserve it. You gave us grace. You gave us gifts. You gave us eternal life. You gave us the indwelling Holy Spirit. And we deserve none of those things. And you adopted us into your family and made us your very own children. Lord, may that love that you have shown to us, may that continue to just uh, resonate in our minds, fill up our minds so that we then can see the needs of those around us and seek to meet those needs with the resources that you have provided for us by your grace, both physical, tangible, but also spiritual and intangible. Lord, we thank you for what you've done for us. May we be your instruments, your tools of grace in the lives of people around us. Lord, bless your church during this time, not just here, in Winfield, at Eastside Baptist Church, but around the world. 
all of our brothers and sisters in Christ. They're going through unique, challenging times right now. I pray that you would bless them, encourage them. May they remain faithful and true. May they be steadfast in love for you and for one another. Bless our missionaries, Father, and help them in their unique circumstances. Lord, I pray that you would be honored and glorified through your church. Continue to build your church, Father, as you said that you would. And we pray this in the name of Christ. Amen.